Hello soldiers, welcome to the very first episode of Soul Mission. I'm your host Aya Daniel and if you have not yet done so, go ahead and hit that follow button so you never miss another Soul Mission episode. You can also go ahead and give Mission of the Soul a follow on Instagram if you want to wake up to inspirational posts and quotes every single day. Today we're going to be talking about why I started Soul Mission and my story behind it. For those of you who have suffered a loss to those who are going through journeys of healing and self-growth, this is the right place for you. I'll be compressing huge life topics into about 10 to 20 minutes to help you reach your highest potential, power through hard times and motivate you to do your absolute best. So take a seat and lend an ear. Your journey starts now. So I'm just going to dive right in and tell you my story. I've hit the one year mark of the death of my beautiful auntie. Now, I'm not going to name any names because this is quite a publicised case at the time. There were, you know, various media outlets that had written about it on the BBC, on the Daily Mail, and there was a documentary made about it. Um, So I think I'm going to keep that kind of part of it anonymous. But my auntie's death was considered a double homicide it sounds so weird even saying that now it just doesn't sound right and um the perpetrator the person who committed the crime was schizophrenic and they received two life sentences so one day this person woke up and decided to take the lives of two innocent souls one of them being one of the closest people to me now there's not really any other way to describe this apart from the fact that this death took me to my knees it it completely shattered me in so many ways every ounce of happiness was drained my world became dark and it took me to places that I never even thought I could get to emotionally I had to kind of rebuild these emotional these mental foundations that I never even knew existed and they were encapsulated in this grief and this anger and this sadness and I was completely alienated from myself for a very long time and I still kind of am I'm still I haven't fully gotten over it I don't think I will for many years um it's it's a it's a wound that I don't think will fully heal now when I found out I was in a bar with my friends and I got this message from my mum and it was very cryptic it, I didn't I didn't really understand what was going on but I, I got you know this gut feeling my stomach dropped I was like something bad something very 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 bad has happened and I kind of went to the toilet I took a breather and I went back to the bar I carried on my days if nothing had happened and it kind of only really hit me when I got home because my auntie had four kids and two of them are the closest cousins like to me and the other two are babies they're like 10 and we had to explain to her babies that mummy's no longer here and um I think that was just the turning point for me that really solidified everything I think when I first you know found out it was just I was in shock I was like this just doesn't obviously not this doesn't feel right this is like I felt like I was in a movie um and you know going back home to see my family and to see her children to explain what had gone on um it just it it, my heart and my soul my body it hadn't I had only I've never experienced such pain before and although I can't say it gets easier I can say it changes and the pain starts to be felt a little bit differently over time now the grief of a murder or suicide is particularly painful because the main answer of why stands with 
the third party so why do you do it what why is something like this happened um and it comes with all of these complexities you know i think with the murder and the suicide they're very similar in their in their grieving because it, it's different to that of a natural death and i think the sheer fact that it was so documented um it just i was just flooded with complete denial i just didn't i didn't know how to even control my emotions or deal with them they were so alien to me and then there's this kind of need to look for forgiveness so it's been a year now over a year I'm kind of yearning for this kind of forgiveness so all of this anger can subside and it's obviously a lot a lot easier said than done to forgive someone that's taken someone so beautiful and so close to me um because it constitutes knowing that the death of someone that was so close to determined by the decision of someone else and I think the fact that it was also a random act it's it's just incomprehensible and I I can't say I definitely have not forgiven the person because I I just it's 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 too hard at this point it's still too raw um but it's something that I'm constantly working on um and I think anyone who has lost someone to a, a murder um probably feels the same way it would be easier to forgive because all the anger and the hurt it hurts even more but it's way easier said than done and I read once that grief is as unique as a fingerprint so it kind of resonates with me because during the first few weeks there's this raw kind of pain the pain where you barely have any strength to get out of bed you feel empty you feel hollow and I was kind of stuck in this transition phase for a very long time but I was trying to internalize what had happened whilst trying to not accept what had happened so every laugh was clouded with this sadness every cry was physically painful and even even a year later it's something that's on the forefront of my mind I think about it it's it's kind of like it's there always no matter what I'm doing um and you know there's this underlying sense of guilt that when I'm having too much fun I don't deserve to be happy like completely happy now that she's not here when I eat a a great meal I uh, have a steamy shower like pretty much doing anything is tainted with this deep sense of guilt that she is not here to smile with me she is not here to taste these foods with me she's not here to smell these smells and just to be alive and it, it hurts it it really does um as time goes on you feel the need to do something so you don't get stuck on that pain all day because it's very easy to sit and it's very easy to fall into a deep deep depression which I let myself get into at some point because I feel like that's part of grieving is feeling it and going into it and sitting in your dark place and getting out of it constructively so I would find ways constructive ways to release or ease the pain and at the beginning because I wasn't used to all of these foreign horrible emotions um, I would drink a lot, I would smoke a lot and I would use things to numb my pain and me and my cousins would sit and we'd laugh and we'd cry together and we'd hold each other until like eight or nine in the morning just talking for hours and hours and hours and then I started moving on to more physical ways to uh, kind of distract myself for example knitting I started knitting I tried to run so I started running um, every day as just a way to kind of uh get through it <laughs> simply just get through it and after a while the pain stops being so warm when I talk about war pain it's it's, it's the pain that uh, it just it physically penetrates through your whole body you just feel weak your eyes are puffy you're withdrawn and there were times where yeah I was I I, I was suicidal where I was like I can't 
I, I can't, I just don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to, this is not the life that I chose. This is not the life that she chose. This is not, you know, you're just overwhelmed with all of these really, really dark, dark and very, very scary thoughts. And I pray that I didn't want to wake up sometimes. And if I did, I'd pray that it was just, you know, all over. Um, and on the same day, you know, I'd go on, I'd go out to a party and I'd put on a smile. Uh, it's, it's, I find the whole kind of idea of being okay and seeming okay very scary because it's so easy to see, seem okay. It's all it takes is a smile and a little joke or anything to seem okay. And very, very little people, um, you know, the saying goes that you really don't know what anyone is going through. And throughout this whole thing, it has really shown me that I can go out and sit in a bath so I've just found out that my auntie's been murdered you know it's 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 like living a parallel life and then there comes the time where the pain stops being so raw um but from time to time you have that feeling and you ask yourself like you know you sit back and you just go did that really really happen and then the pain starts again so it's this kind of constant fluctuating cycle of acceptance where you live life as if everything's normal for a split second um and then it hits you and you're about to square one that's what I found myself doing and I still do that sometimes and I don't think the pain gets easier I don't think it gets easier at all but I do think we simply adjust to it and the circumstances and I think the bigger the loss the more time you need to adapt uh, but eventually we do just some people might take more more time than others now the fact that obviously my auntie's death was a homicide I think I found it particularly hard as I mentioned previously to grasp the fact that it was taken her life was taken involuntarily and I kind of got caught in this weird thinking pattern which I think's pretty natural to think okay could I have done anything differently could I have like if I was you know if I asked her to come and visit me in London that weekend would this have planned out differently it's just this is is it quite a self-destructive thought pattern to get into I think with grieving there's always um self-doubt um and you always there's always space to kind of blame yourself and I think that it's somewhere around that time that we've already developed some personal mechanisms to deal with it in our own way and I do have days where I don't feel as bad where I feel like okay do you know what I wake up I'm doing okay I don't feel like I want to burst into tears um there is this light at the end of the tunnel um but there are also days where I know that I'm denying I'm avoiding it and every week or so I know I'm due a big cry to just let it all out um I've become an incredibly anxious person I'm very prone to panic attacks my mood swings fluctuate quite a lot where there's just there's just I know that if it's a bad day it's a bad day I don't want to talk to people I want to be alone I want to be secluded but what I realise is that by trying to avoid the pain, it, it, it literally starts manifesting through your body and through your being. Um, and there's this kind of like innate feeling that it's like, okay, I need to let it out. Um, even if it's not in the right place at the right time. So for example, I was at the library once and I just had this last piece of coursework to finish off. Um, and I just thought, you know, I'm just going to scroll through the news and see what's going on with the trial. Um, and... I was scrolling through it and I was finding out all of these intricate and details about the forensics of it and how she passed and what they did to her. It just, it, 
it I just wasn't ready for it I thought that I was but I wasn't even when I watched part of the documentary thinking that I'd be mentally prepared for it and um I was immediately overwhelmed with with emotion and I'm normally quite good at compartmentalizing it so if I'm having a shit day and I'm upstairs crying my eyes out before a night out um, and then I go downstairs and I'm drinking and I'm fine and, I'm a, and you know no one would have guessed anything but um so in my head I knew at the library it was not the time to cry so I was like hey, yeah hold it in hold it in hold it in but at that moment I felt my heart racing and I, I think like on Google it kind of says her name and says what happened to her and it's the whole like article about it and you know I just my eyes started welling my breathing was becoming rapidly fast and I had to literally run out and leave the library and I cried my eyes all the way home so what I'm trying to get at here is that it's okay to cry it really is okay to cry I think it's easier for some people to to avoid crying and to avoid feeling it and I can't say that crying makes you feel better because it's very painful to cry over losing someone it it actually hurts but it does make you feel lighter the next day and I think avoiding your pain ultimately prolongs your journey of healing now I've learned and I've experienced that sharing mourning is an important part of the process I think mourning is an expression of your grief it's it's the movement of your love through tears through artistic expression it's a it's it's a healing activity and it it doesn't take the pain away but it allows you to express the kind of importance of your relationship to that person in a relationship that deserves expression and in that we allow ourselves to slowly heal and to slowly allow the pain to ease a little bit and we give ourselves a moment to remember the good amidst the storm of guilt or, or anger or sadness so when I do speak to my friends about it and um, people that have also gone through grieving it's 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 such a spiritually kind of bonding thing where you both go oh my gosh that is exactly how I feel and and you both cry and you both really you emotionally hold each other and at that time the only person that knew was my best friend at the time Uh, she was the only person who knew and she's the only person that was with me when I found out and and this is something that I regret because I I really wish that I'd opened up to more of my closest friends about it and created a bigger support bubble because looking back I think being able to connect with people and to build friendships through them supporting you is an absolutely beautiful thing to do and I've become so incredibly close with so many people because of this because they've supported me and they've they've been my rock through it and even to this day now you know releasing this podcast not many people very 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 few people know what has happened and it is something that I regret I think I was worried of being judged or receiving the wrong response because I feel like when people haven't gone through grieving and they, they they can't they get a bit awkward they don't know what to say or they don't know how to react and it gets to a point where it's like I'd rather just not say anything and also you know I think with the severity of the case I had to bear that in mind as well that it's something that's just so what the fuck that is like is there even even any point in me going going through this but I think 
pretending that I was okay for so long and I, I still kind of do when I'm having a really bad day I would never really show it uh, pretending that absolutely nothing has happened it does hurt more than being open and honest with those around you that you trust and know care for you now I remember speaking to a friend once who was also mourning from the loss of someone that they were very close with and I remember him saying you know there's just no light at the end of the tunnel and at that time my auntie hadn't passed away so I hadn't I, I just didn't understand how they would wake up and just and and feel absolutely I just couldn't I couldn't relate to it um and at that point in my life I hadn't been exposed to these raw and foreign and intense emotions that come with grieving but looking back it's really crazy how much I can understand it now and how much I've bonded with people who have gone through the same thing of losing someone close to them now Elizabeth Kubler-Ross is the psychologist who created the five stages of grief. Now, this model says that when experiencing grief, we go through, many of you might know, that we go through a series of five different trajectories of emotions. So denial, anger, bargaining, depression, I think it's acceptance. Uh, Yes, acceptance at the end. However, after many years of teaching this, the psychology community kind of started to realize and understand that there's no true passing from one stage to another and it said that Kubler-Ross actually regressed these stages that she created and from experience and I think anyone who's gone through grieving can confirm this that grief isn't a linear phenomena it's not something where you pass through the stages each uh, each stage and eventually you wake up one day and you're like oh I'm over it it's all over the place it's it's honestly it's, it's the most insane roller coaster because you're intensely depressed one day and then you're feeling gr- not great but kind of okay the next day and some days you think you've accepted it and you think you're finally moving on and other days you literally want to sit in bed and just cry your eyes out all day and I felt that I was stuck on the anger and denial and depression stage for a very 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 long time and the second that I feel like I'm accepting it I go right back, I'm catapulted back into the depression stage because accepting it is just so hard. It's like, no, I, I'm not going to accept this, I don't want to accept it. So I think there's just not a right way to grieve. So when you do feel like you've gone a step back, when you feel like you're kind of seeing that tiny light at the end of the tunnel and then it goes, it's okay. It is okay because I always, you know, when I'd go back to a stage where I just feel down again, I'd be angry with myself. But I'm like, hey, damn it, you were doing so well. You'd be going on your runs, you're waking up early, you're trying to, you know, work back on your mental health. And then it's like, oh shit, you wake up and you feel absolutely terrible again. But ultimately, you will get through it and the pain will subside and you just must keep going. Now, I began meditating and this is when my spiritual journey began which has probably been the most intense but beautiful journey I think I've ever ever gone on and I taught myself to allow time to be with my thoughts and to give myself time to feel my pain and I learned how important it is to sit with your loss and to find a space for it in your heart and to really feel it and to feel each and every emotion throughout your whole body even even if it's the hardest thing that you can do and it is sitting down and meditating for example and just thinking about it I immediately 
immediately start crying the first six months I started meditating I just couldn't do it because I would just sit and cry the whole time be like this is just pointless but we process things at a slower pace we try to make our way through this fog I think with meditation and meditation and mindfulness um you kind of you let those jumbled and crowded thoughts that are you know encapsulating your mind ease a little bit and I started meditating because I needed something to help me temporarily alleviate the intensity of my thoughts that was causing me so much stress and sadness and when it comes to coping with grief grief has helped me a lot because I was able to anchor them and essentially think of nothing but my breathing and just being in the present and nowhere else and I think it's just so important to find something that distracts you sometimes even if for 10 minutes because with grieving it's something that is never not on your mind it's like a cloud that just doesn't go and sometimes it's sunny up there and sometimes it's hailing and sometimes there's thunder and sometimes there's lightning but at some point there will be a rainbow but I want to touch on the subject of ascended masters which kind of links meditation and and just the idea of mindfulness and helping people get through not just grief but any hard situation so Buddha sat under a tree for 40 days in silence and so there comes the question of why did he do that so this is what these ascended masters did they sat and they addressed and they observed their fears and their judgments and their opinions of themselves from this objective standpoint in silence and they essentially went inside and they looked within themselves on this kind of quest to feel what's happening internally so what happens when we go through emotionally traumatic experiences in life which everyone will go through at some point and I think as humans we are emotionally in touch and motivated beings but we're not born with how to deal with these emotions and it's only when we do engage with these experiences that we have to be like hey shit what the fuck am I going to do with this like how do I cope and so like if you've never experienced a loss you won't know what mourning or grieving feels like you don't know you won't know what that kind of depression feels like if you've never had your heart broken you won't know what a heartbreak feels like you simply just won't be able to relate to it hence why I stress the importance of sitting with your emotions and taking the time to feel them I really do believe that the reason I read this book once and it, it was it said very clear, clearly that the reason we came to this planet is to feel and if you want to transform your life and come out of dark places you must find the courage and the strength to fearlessly and objectively observe your emotions the sensations that are in your body whether it's on a good day or a bad day it's just to constantly be emotionally intelligent and this was the hardest thing that I had to do and I was truly on a soul mission that I was dedicated to complete. I once saw this metaphor used for your thoughts being like traffic so imagine yourself my therapist actually helped me with this imagine yourself standing on the side of a road or a pavement and you're watching all these cars drive past each car is representative representative of a thought so they come you acknowledge them you feel it you embrace it and you let it go whether it's a negative or positive thought so when you're thinking a negative thought or any kind of thought that might be hurting you instead of trying to avoid it which is yes very easy to do um acknowledge its presence um understand why it's there and and let it go And, and i still haven't fully mastered doing this myself i have this kind of tendency to dwell and think very deeply on a very specific thought but i think dwelling on the intricacies of someone's passing in particular a murder is just 
too painful to to constantly do that and so I think if anyone's going through anything that is pain inducing in life in general it's just to see a thought as a car that is there and it can go so I want to end today's episode with the reason why I created Soul Mission. I firstly want to honour my auntie. I want to be a voice for her and everyone who suffered a loss to transform something negative into something positive. Or for those who are going through journeys of self-discovery, which constitutes emotional intensity or suffering or depression or anxiety for whatever reason. The sole purpose of Soul Mission is to be a voice to those who want to reach their highest potential even amidst the storm that life might bring. A voice of motivation, positivity, perseverance. And Soul Mission is about moving onto that next level, architecting your own life, reaching every single one of your goals, and most importantly, being the best version of yourself that you can be. So, from me to you, thank you so much for listening. Stay tuned for the next Soul Mission episode. I'm sending you love, peace, and happiness. Till next time, soldiers.